Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life, where relationships expert Judy K. Herman and her guests share insights that can help you move through conflicts in your 9-to-5 jobs and your 24-7 lives. Crack the clarity code and create deeper connections beyond the messiness of relationships. Here's your host, Judy K. Herman. A lot of what we discuss on this podcast is also relevant to professional relationships as well as your personal life. You can create psychological safety in your workplace where people feel heard and respected. As a speaker and retreat facilitator, I also support organizations and leaders. Find me on LinkedIn, Judy K. Herman, or my website, judyspeaker.com. Today, I'd like you to meet my guest, Eddie Caparucci. As an overcomer from his own blind spots, along with a previous successful corporate career, Eddie is a licensed therapist certified in the treatment of sexual and pornography addiction. He and his wife, Terry, have a private practice working with spouses as they heal and overcome addictions and betrayal. Eddie has written several books and articles, worked with professional athletes and television personalities, and is making an impact on a national level, bringing awareness on the effects of pornography. For now, let's listen in on this episode, Overcoming Relational Blind Spots, From Addictions to Awareness. And I have a wonderful guest here, Eddie Caparucci. Thank you so much for joining me, Eddie. Well, thank you for having me, Judy. I've been looking forward to it. We planned this a while ago uh, because of schedules, and I'm really excited about sitting here across from you right now. Well, me too, and I, and this is a real uh, pleasure. You have so much experience in writing several books, and the one that I have read recently is called Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming Relational Blind Spots. So Reparenting the Inner Child is the, is the subtitle of this book. I'd like to go there, and I'd like also for people to know you as well. So give us a little history about Eddie. You, you have your wife, Terry, who also partners with you in the work that you do as a mental health therapist specializing in relationships. So tell us yes. more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Got involved in this in the ministry about 12 years ago. I myself uh, still recovering, you know, uh, in the area of sex and porn addiction. That's what I specialized. I'm a licensed therapist and I specialize in the area of sex and pornography addiction. And my wife, Terry, who's part of our ministry, she works with the women who have been betrayed. So together, what we're doing is trying to help we uh, build each individual themselves about the different pain they've gone through and then bring them together to reconcile in a way that they've never reconciled before because we're not going back to the previous relationship we have to go somewhere new so that's that's what our uh ministries have been about i've said i'm doing it for Starting about 12 years ago, I began this, and Terry joined about six years ago. And it's really it's just wonderful to be able to, you know, work with your partner on something where you see so much in the way of healing, knowing that you're helping people and giving back based a lot on what you've been through yourselves. Well, let me ask, because I'm very curious. So this is this journey for you started about 12 years ago. I'm making an assumption that you've been married for longer than 12 years. Yes, I've been. I met actually Terry and I have been married 
25 years. Uh, Terry's my third wife, okay? okay. Mm -hmm. First two wives, what I did, that was when I was in my addiction and just ruined those relationships. Uh, I was a marketing and advertising executive for 25 years. Uh, worked my way up in corporate America, very successful in what I did. Uh, however, from a relationship standpoint, I was a disaster. And after the second marriage, I went and sought help about what was going on. And what I came to understand was I had an attachment disorder. I was in avoidant attachment, which I had no idea what that was about, didn't know what it was. All I knew is that every relationship I was in from the time I was 16, I had one foot in and one foot out. And the reason goes back to you, a father who died when I was five, a mother who had a nervous breakdown and being sent out to relatives that I didn't know for a year to be able to live, to live with them. Not understanding, because no one's telling me why am I with these people except mom's sick? So then you come back at the age of six. I have two older sisters. Mom goes off to work and those two older sisters have to watch out over me. Well, you know what? They don't want to be watching a six-year-old. Mm -hmm. They want to be watching American Bandstand. So a lot of times, go to your room, go to your room, go to your room. So very isolated and alone. Well, for the first 10 years of my life, I didn't have my first friend until I was almost 10. So the worldview I created, which I didn't realize, was the people who love you will leave you and the mm. people who love you will disappoint you. I, so I want to hold this because you're really packing a lot here, which I so it is so valuable, Eddie, what you're talking about and making that connection in your own life and then for others also that that the past and you're growing up and the family of origin and those dynamics and all those experiences matter and and to make sense of that so first of all i want to i want to thank you for that because there's a lot of folks that come and you know the past is a past or i don't remember my past but you're really grounded and and i really want to honor that and honor also your vulnerability here and, well, and to give hope to folks that, you know what, this may be their third marriage that they're on. Mm -hmm. And there is like, thank you for sharing that. And, well, and so, yes, um, move forward. Cause I'm so very, right, but, but thank you. Thank you for, for those kind words. I appreciate that. Um, I don't believe the path to path. I believe that we are still haunted by past experiences. How much are we haunted? That all depends on the amount of work that we have done on the path. However, those wounds produce scars and those scars are never fully healed. And that's why, you know, we go back into my first book, Going Deeper, How the Inner Child Impacts Your Addiction. It winds up talking about those unresolved childhood pain points. And again, there are events that happen in our lives today that are very similar and match up to those events. And what that does, that intensifies the level of discomfort that we feel, therefore causing us to want to run away from those emotions. And what do we do? We run away by using bad behavior. Sometimes we may get aggressive and angry, or we may withdraw. Or worse yet, we may wind up going and acting out in a way that is violent or perhaps we're committing adultery or whatever it may be. So we have to, I'm a big why guy. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. we, 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 we're trained, we're trained, don't ask the why question because it comes across as an accusation. I don't, I'm sorry, I break that mold. Yeah. I'm a big why guy. Why do I do things and feel the way I do? Because I believe if we know the answer to those questions, we are so empowered to make real changes. Too many of us are walking around oblivious. We're doing the same thing over and over or thinking the same way or feeling the same way. And it's driving us crazy, driving our spouses crazy. But the problem is, we don't know why. Well, this is this is great. And I, I, I'm hearing that your why is coming across as curiosity, because there's some whys, like, why are you doing that? Or why this or why that? Correct. Some people use their why to put the other person on the defensive or to say whatever the answer is so that they can shoot him down. So anyway, I, I want to just make recognition of that because I do, I encourage, I, I encourage folks to make, you know, have this attitude of curiosity, say I'm curious about, and, and that's something actually. So, so I think overall, I, I so resonate with everything you're saying. It's like our journey in life is to become aware. Life will give us these uh, these experiences because based upon some unconscious or unaware choices. And so when we ask the why question in a curious way, like you're suggesting, Eddie, it, it's like, okay, we're, we are connecting the dots. We are becoming more conscious in our own lives. And that would be, yeah. And then that's what your, your work on the inner child is, is all about. Can that's you share? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what, what, with the inner child and, and what I created with the inner child model for the treatment of addiction, uh, basically what that centers on is three different components. It's trauma-based, okay? Mm-hmm. And so it looks at what are the unresolved childhood point, uh, pain point that still haunt us today. Two, it's about our inability to sit with emotional distress. Mm-hmm. We can't sit with emotional discomfort. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? At a young age, we develop a coping mechanism to say, okay, what do I do with this? I don't have a lot of worldly experiences. I think more from an emotionally based brain than my cognitive brain. So how do I fix these problems I have? Oh, I got it. I won't think about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do mm-hmm. I not think about it? I find something to distract myself. Too much food, too much television, too many video games, too much fantasy in my own head, staying in my own head. We take that same coping mechanism into our teen years and our adult years. And so then when you continue to use those same behaviors over and over and over again, you wind up with addictive behaviors. There are so many people who right now binging on Netflix and other you know, television shows, mm-hmm. they come home and they just throw themselves in front of the TV for hours at a time until they fall asleep, get back up, go to work, come back, do it again. I mean, that where, where there, there is the loss of emotional connection that comes from these types of addictive behaviors that we have. Yeah, I, I think that is so 
true. I just with the human brain and what I've learned even recently about neuroscience, how there's so many repetitive thoughts. And we as therapists were we're trained in cognitive therapy and getting becoming aware of our automatic thoughts. Well, this is a lifelong process, obviously, because we do think and things and and uh, we don't realize they're so repetitive or the thoughts that we are thinking are our old thoughts. So right. I, I do want to honor and to I, I am all about giving grace to folks because it takes a whole lot of courage, number one, to come to counseling. You know, and then also to notice, so I've been exiting out of my life all of this time. It takes a lot of courage to even come to that, that realization, but it is Mm -hmm. a starting point, but also, so, you know, when you're a child and you truly are a victim of your circumstances, you truly are dependent upon the adults around you and their decisions. And so so what, um, and, and I'm trained as an Imago therapist. Uh, and so connecting that, that those defensive behaviors that we've used, that we absolutely needed to use to survive our childhood is, is so maladaptive, obviously, in our adult relationship. So what worked in childhood that actually that we needed and we need to grow and grow up. That's my, my whole, that's, like, that's the whole thing, <laughs> become aware, get involved in your life, grow, grow up, whatever stuff comes in your life. Uh, you see it as, okay, what am I, what am I blinded to? And I mm-hmm. love it that you have all these, like, I guess, 16 blind spots. That's amazing. Right. You, you define that share more. Yeah. Yeah. The blind, the blind spots. Um, well, let me go back for, for a moment for what you were just saying about growing up. You know, as I tell the men I work with, I go, you know what? One of the biggest problems you have is that you're emotionally immature. I and that's, yet- that's a bold statement to say to men. Uh, how do they, how it- do they take that? <laughs> you, know, you, will, you will not believe it, but let me tell you, not one has ever challenged me. Wow. They've all said, you're right. Now, right. I, so- I want to hold something too, because you're a male therapist working with males. Do males, are, are they able to receive that from a female therapist? Uh, I think it'd be more difficult. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it'd be more, I think it would be more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're more open-minded and again, they're looking for that self-reflection and mm-hmm. a deep understanding mm-hmm. of who they are, it shouldn't matter who it comes from. Mm-hmm. But yes, I do believe it may be a little bit more challenging coming from a female therapist than a male therapist. But it is, but the fact of the matter is it's true. There's a lot of 15-year-old boys living in 30, 40-year-old bodies. Well, I I do want to address something else too, because sometimes men who are dealing, say, with sexual addiction or pornography or whatever it is, and they will seek out a female therapist. I think there's such value for men to seek out man-to-man where you can just get some straight talk and and also uh you know just have that have that relatable Mm because as as a woman i don't know what it's like to be in a man's body so i think i just want to encourage listeners that if you're a man and you're struggling with this be open to finding someone who specializes in this field male therapists i think that might make a difference just based Mm -hmm. upon what you just said I mean, yeah. that's my opinion right now. It right. may change. <laughs> well, well, but you know what? That, that's my opinion too. Uh-huh. Like I said, and there, there are many women who specialize in sex and pornography addiction mm-hmm. and nothing against them. 
However, you know what? You're dealing with a man who is struggling with his relationship with women. Mm -hmm. He is objectifying women. Mm -hmm. And so now you're putting yourself in front of him. Mm-hmm. And I just think that may be counteractive, unless you're a behavioral therapist. And mm-hmm. again, you're believing in the whole idea of exposure therapy. But I don't really believe that's what we should be doing when it comes to the, this group of individuals in the disorder that they are facing. Now, I know I'm getting a bunch of emails from many of my peers, the female peers in it. But again, I just, it's the same thing with me working with a woman who's struggling with a sex addiction. Right. I I won't do that. I will not put myself in front of a woman to do that. Because again, one, she got to, she had to be able to be open and vulnerable to share many different things, including perhaps sexual fantasies. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen to a woman, you know, share her sexual fantasy. I mean, I may as well go get a Nancy Friday book about fantasies and start sitting there and reading them. That is not going to be helpful for me or for her. So anyway, I do. Well, yeah, and that's good. because. So while we're on this topic, I really would like for you to share what your the role that your wife, Terry, has in you two working together, because with every man that you're dealing with and helping him connect emotionally whether or not he has a pornography addiction or some other kind of addiction there's a woman on the other side that that is in relationship with him so so tell us about that dynamic i will will tell you this before terry came into the practice i was also dealing with the women who are struggling with betrayal so i've seen a lot of that up close and personal and what it is and, and what we've come to understand over the years because Years ago, when this would come up, somebody would have an affair or multiple affairs or, you know, dealing with going to massage parlors or prostitutes, and the wife would come in, and many people looked at the wife seeing her so devastated Mm. and saying, wow, boy, she is a bungle of emotions. I can understand why you're running off and doing what you're doing, because that's just a mess. That's mm-hmm. a train wreck. Mm-hmm. And so they and they looked at her, called her a co-addict or codependent, blaming her for mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. How many, how many women have gone to clergy and mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the advice they've gotten is, well, you know what? Maybe you need to be more sexual with him. Maybe oh. you need to go find some lingerie or something. Oh, Spice up your relationship, which just re-traumatizes mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But now we've come to understand. Thanks to the work of Barbara Steffen and many other pioneers in that area, that what these women are going through is betrayal trauma. Mm, it's just mm. like you know, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. And so we have to treat it that way and understand this is what's happening. Therefore, so you need to be compassionate, need to be understanding. It can't be, okay, let's all right, it happened. You know, let's try to just get over it. He promises he won't do it anymore and move on. It doesn't work that way. Mm. They each have to be doing their own individual work. And I'll tell you this, Judy, it's easier to get men to learn how to manage their addictive behavior than it is to be able to deal with their wives when they're grieving. Mm. That's where most Mm -hmm. men will die on that hill. 
because they're getting all of this hostility thrown at them, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And instead, but instead of seeing hostility, they should be seeing pain mm. and looking at it and say, this is the pain I caused. What can I do to be able to help her? Instead, they get so defensive. They start trying to explain things away and they just take a bad situation and make it worse. Mm. So what Terry does, Terry works with the women in trying to help them grieve. Mm. Because the one thing you want to be careful about is that many women, just as men, they have traumas from the past also. If those traumas from the past deal with things like betrayal, what happens is those two worlds merge together. And what that does, that intensifies the level of pain that a woman is going through. So Terry had to pull those worlds apart. So saying, okay, look, that's that trauma, we can go back to it, but he can't be paying for that. We have to look at what he did through this lens alone. Mm. And that that takes work. That's why it says it takes anywhere from 18 months to five years for a woman mm. to recover from betrayal trauma. Wow. 18 months to five, five years. years. Yes. And and wow, that is that's a lot. That's a lot. I think you explained that beautifully. And so a woman who's dealing with her husband's addiction and feeling and experiencing that trauma, going to maybe her spiritual leaders or pastor saying, just get, you know, you know, have sex more, do this or that more. And that re-traumatization, that's a lot to unravel even in her it life, is. isn't it? Now, now, let me say, there are some good pastors and clergy who do understand it. They do not give that kind of advice. But there, and, and you know what? That advice also comes if they go to a therapist who's not trained in this area. Mm, I've heard mm -hmm, that too. I've mm -hmm. seen that. Like, you know what? I think you're over, I really think you're overreacting to this. Um, well, here, here's a theory I have too, Eddie, because there's a lot of leaders who have porn addictions themselves, mm. you know, and uh, spiritual leaders that we would expect you know, not to, but they've got their own issues too. Oh, I work with, I work with clergy. I work with, uh, I've worked for, with athletes. I've worked with television personalities. Mm -hmm. I've worked with people in government. Uh, yes, there are many. This is not something that uh, is discriminate. It goes across, but again, because it's not about sex. It's mm -hmm. an intimacy disorder based on those unresolved childhood pain points, which we all have to some extent. We'll talk about the antidotes because I want to give folks hope. And I guess there, there's obviously there's stages. I think you even go through what those stages are in your book, but the discovery of, oh, wow, I've been disconnecting. I've been doing, you know, and, and they see that it's a problem. Uh, and, and does that problem generally come from outward, like in that marriage? Yes, uh, that's, I mean, that, other words, the other in, rather than the inward, oh, I'm missing out on my life type of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're, it's very rare. It does happen. But it's very rare that a man walks into my office on his own to say, you know, I'm really struggling in this area and I really want help. Hmm. Usually something has happened. There's a serious consequence. He had been discovered and the world is blown up. Mm -hmm. And so now he's coming 
And basically the reason he's sitting there is to save his marriage. And the do is say, no, 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 that is not why you're, you sit here. You have to sit here because you want to make a change in yourself because everything I do with that inner child model is about self-reflection. It's about learning why do I think, feel, and do what I do. That is not going to save your marriage, mm-hmm. but it's going to make, it's going to transform your heart. And that's what we're looking. We want to create the new guy. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. doesn't want the old guy anymore. She wants the new guy. So unless you're on that journey with me to do that, then I'm not your guy mm. for, for this. So if I want to change hearts. Well, it's pain that motivates people to come to mm-hmm. counseling in the first place. So, and then what I found, I'm curious about your experience with this. Man comes in, his marriage is falling apart. He wants to do everything he can to save it. He's in pain. People come to therapy because they want to get out of their pain. But sometimes those marriages don't last. What is the likelihood of that same man continuing his inner child work and and realizing this is going to benefit me as a human being? It's going to benefit me as a father. It's going to be, you know, so that I don't repeat this groundhog day in my life over and over again. What's the likelihood of even that happening? It it does happen. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, it does happen because once they start getting into the therapy and, and seeing the results and understanding why, oh my gosh. So that means I'm not just sick. I'm not just a pervert. Mm-hmm. I'm not just, you know, some kind of sleeve ball. I really, there's some reason behind it, the rationale for my destructive behavior. Mm-hmm. And once they see that, they want to learn more and more and more because they don't want to go through the same thing again. See, that's what drove me after the second marriage to say, I can't do this anymore. Both of my wives said, let's work this out. And I said, I can't because there's something wrong with me. I'm sick. Mm. I don't know what this is. I'm, I will still hurt you and I don't want to hurt you anymore. Mm. So I walked away from both of them. But after the second one, I was like, I cannot continue this. This is insane. Mm -hmm. And that's when I went, I got my help, did my work. And after that, Shortly after that, I met I met Terry, but Terry got the new guy. Oh wow! And she got the new guy. Not not that I was perfect. Not that I wasn't right. in all ways. But I will say this: we've been married. We've been together twenty five years. Married for twenty four and twenty four twenty three and a half. Uh-huh. And I've been faithful to her the whole time. That's okay. A, yeah, and, and so that's really what the calling is. It's not just to fix an old marriage. Okay, so if you are listening to this podcast or watching us right now, and you're struggling with this in your marriage. And, and you, and it's not about I'm, I'm hearing it's not about fixing the old marriage, but it it's about creating something new. Can you speak to that? Eddie? Yes. Well, think about it. Okay. We have this man who is again, emotionally undeveloped, who winds up wooing this young woman and part of the reason he can get away with it is because of what happens in those early stages of a relationship, mm-hmm. the romantic phase of love, oxytocin is flowing strongly in the brain. We're feeling like, oh my God, this is the most incredible thing I've ever 
experience. She's the most amazing woman in the world. I'd run through a wall for her, you know, that's it. And then we get married or even before the marriage and all of a sudden it just starts to die down. Those, the, the neurochemicals, they return to a normal level and now all of a sudden he's back to where he was. He's hypersensitive to criticism. He struggles to connect. He's inwardly focused. He doesn't, he's not content with life. He can't sit with his emotional pain. You know, he goes on and on when we look at all those blind spots. He's not mindful. He has limited interest in passion and she's like who are you you know and that's like you know that what you just described is like your brain is on drugs you're on a street high when you start a relationship and that is so true there's that surge of chemicals that lasts anywhere what from three months to however long to a couple years to a couple years but i what i tell women is you know when they say they go i don't know who this guy is i go go back to somebody who knew him before you met him Mm-hmm. and tell him this is what I see mm-hmm. and I guarantee you they're going to say yeah that's him mm-hmm. okay this is what happened so now let's go back to your original question why do we need to go somewhere else because those relationships are rarely built on true emotional connection and intimacy these guys being emotionally undeveloped they base most of their relationship the foundation is physical intimate intimacy whether it's non-physical non-sexual touch or mm-hmm. or is sexual in nature because to them it's like i never feel more love when than when a woman is physical with me and let me show you how much I love you mm-hmm. by being physical with you and how I can make you feel. And, and they, they, they truly believe this. This is the way they feel. This is how I express and receive love through physical intimacy. And then I'll sprinkle in a little emotional stuff. Like here's a card and here's some flowers and who I love you and oh I love you do hair. You know, it's something like that, very, but it's very shallow and and it's not ongoing. We don't want to go back to that. Well, another thing that's very common, Eddie, is, you know, a man is going to get angry if he doesn't get sex and or, you know, for and like who, who, what woman in her right mind wants to have sex with an angry man? I don't know. What, what do we get angry? <laughs> what so what do you Judy? What are you talking about? Emotional <laughs> immaturity. Exactly. Exactly. Okay? Yes. I want something. I can't have it. I'm gonna have a tantrum. And let's go back to a term that in episode, I think it was number uh, 13, Doug Noll was talking about alexithemia. Mm-hmm. And can you address what alexithemia is and right. uh, and how it affects men? that you're, you're talking about here. Yeah. That are what it is, is that inability to be able to emotionally engage and connect. So therefore we're gonna, we're gonna have several different issues. One, we're gonna have a hard time identifying what I really feel. So now this goes back to early childhood development when we're supposed to be taught how to emotionally regulate. Mm-hmm. And if we're not taught to emotionally regulate, nobody gives us the words to help us describe our emotion. So therefore we stay with the emotions of anger, fear, sadness, happiness. That's about it. Mm-hmm. So therefore I'm upset with something, I'm either gonna pout, 
Okay. Or I'm going to act out somehow. Right. Or I'm going to get angry. Because I don't know how to tell you that feels very disappointing to me. Mm -hmm. I don't, or, or you know what? I felt very disrespected by what you just said. I don't know. I don't know the, what the words are. Well, they know what the words are, but they don't know how to apply them to or, emotions. Right. Or even making that connection. My, my heart is racing here because I'm scared to death. I'm going to lose you or something. Right. Oh I my mean, God. To Judy, be able to. <laughs> for a man to say something like that. I mean, that's like, no, no, no. I can't be that vulnerable. I can't be that vulnerable. Yeah. Well, that's the second part. The second part is. I, I even if I can identify what those emotions are, mm -hmm. I've been told taught somewhere along the line that sharing my emotion is dangerous. That we've been watching too many James Bond movies, right? <laughs> or, or you know, well, it's a Wild West, uh, John right. Wayne, all and yes. all of that. Like right. this macho man that doesn't have any, or True. I don't know, Kevin Costner's played several right. things, but like, no, that's not. <laughs> No, anyway. that is. You're right. It is. It's not. That's our but, model of men in our society. That's correct. But yeah, so therefore I can't share because if I do, yeah, I'm going to be a wimp. I'm going to be weak. You know, people are not going to respect me. And then the last part of all of that is that if someone wants to share emotions with them, they become overwhelmed. It's like, I don't know what to do with this. We make the joke about how, oh, men always just want to fix a woman's problem. Well, we don't want to fix it because we want to show you how brilliant we are. We want to fix it because we want these emotions to go away. Because they, can, they can't handle it. Because right. they we, can't right. handle their own emotions. Right. So they can't, can't handle, handle the emotions it. of their exactly. wives. Exactly. Or yeah. we're going to do, or we're going to minimize it. Like, you know, oh, come on. That's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. It'll work its way out. Or we're going to ultimately withdraw. Look, I don't have time for this. I can't deal with it. And we move away. All of those things that we just talked about, none of them are good for, for a relationship. It's almost very paradoxical, isn't it? I think for men to uh, realize that if they lean into that, those negative emotions that their wives are experienced, perhaps that sadness, even that they might have even created or the loneliness or whatever. It's like it, it for them to do that actually paradoxically helps her to to move through it yes right but see somewhere along the line they didn't see that kind of model right. so therefore what they may have had is a parent who was smothering with emotions on them therefore they had to i have a client right now he's a young guy and what he he, he come to understand that when his father gets angry it he believes it's his job to make dad happy. Mm. I have to figure mm -hmm. out how to get him to calm down and make, so therefore in many cases, what he does, he gives up autonomy mm. to say, hey dad, whatever you need, you need this, I'll go and do that. All right, mm. so that's one way. Um, in other cases, you may have never seen the model of people being emotional or as a child, you're not taught that emotional regulation. So you have all these emotions coming at you and nobody's showing you how do you regulate them? How do you put them in their certain places? Mm -hmm. So therefore a kid looks at emotions and say, oh, no, 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 this causes great anxiety. I don't want to feel. 
Mm-hmm. And they're, they're the fearful reason. that they're, they're fearful that they can't get out of that. And uh, how I describe it is that that our emotions are temporary. They're temporary messengers to our yes. souls. And so if anxiety is showing up, depression showing up, anger, whatever, let's listen to them. Let's honor them. What are their mm-hmm. messages? And then make changes because they're, they're valuable. I mean, I believe oh. God created we as human beings to have emotions and not to detach from it because that is very maladaptive. And so how to embrace and listen to them and then let them go. Right. Uh, and you know, yes. if you, if you detach from your negative emotions, you're also going to detach from positive emotions too. You are, you, you can't really be selective in that. No, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately the bottom line is, you miss out on so much that life has to offer. Mm, you you mm-hmm. just, you miss out on what a relationship can truly offer to you. You miss out on a lot of the things that are out there in the world that can bring you a sense of joy and a sense of peace because you're walking around with this void. It's very funny because I used to say it all the time when I was in corporate America. And like I said, I'm a very successful guy. People envy me, but I'm like, I have this void and I don't Mm. know what it is. Mm. I just don't know how to fill it. Mm. And I tried to fill it with all the wrong things until finally got to say, Ooh, you know what? It is about God. It is about relationships. And that, when I finally realized that, I was like, wow, that's the answer. Wow. And and so you really, technically you're a, you're, this is a second career for you then. It is definitely actually a calling because when, when this all started and I started developing a relationship with him and he came, he said, Hey, I got something else for you. Wow. You're going to be a counselor. I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing that. (laughs) And I, and I thought, I fought for two years. I fought him. I was like, I'm not doing this. And my wife really got a big kick out of it. Uh, But finally I succumbed. I gave in and I went back, got another master's degree, did all the state work, did all of that. And I will tell you, I've never been more at peace in my life than I've been these past 12 years. And, uh, you know, I get to see God at work every day. And I will die in this chair, Judy. Oh, that's die, amazing. I will die here. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I will tell you that I uh, I do less counseling in my chair and a whole lot of walking outdoors with my, mm. my clients. I love it and offer retreats and all of that. But yeah. I hear you. You are you're making such an impact. And I think even as therapists, I don't know if others in other professions really get this or the stereotype about therapists, but there's something deep within our own souls when in our own healing, our own journey, this is like something that does require us to continue to grow and grow up and become Mm -hmm. more aware. So there, but, but it is so fulfilling. I think you would resonate that uh, to make a difference in others' lives and to know that the stuff you've been through in your own life is not in vain and God never wastes any of our pain, but yeah, how to take the beautiful with the brutal and uh and and live life to the fullest i think that's beautiful and this so this is a really good note i think to end on because we want to encourage folks not to be shamed with
with all the stuff and where you are at this point in your life, if you are struggling with, with exactly what Eddie is talking about today, want to give you hope. So to name it, number one, you're not the only one. And there is, uh, there is hope for you. Go to a therapist, go to a male therapist, if you're a male or female, if you're female or, or together couple, uh, but you can, you can change, you can make a difference. And not only that, transform transform from the from the very foundation so thank you eddie what if, what, what would you what would um what piece of advice would you give to a couple right now who maybe are, are like right now at the very beginning of realizing oh my gosh this is going on yeah. what kind what would you tell them uh what i would tell them is basically i'll piggyback on what you were just saying Right now, I know it looks hopeless. Right now, I know it looks like there is, there's no solution. You can't see a way out. I understand. Everybody's there at the beginning. There is a way out. It's going to take time. It's going to, it's going to be painful. But you can come out on the other side in a place that you never imagined you could ever be and that you will have a relationship that will look so different than what you've ever had before. And you will be able to love and honor and connect and abide into one another that will bring you a sense of joy that is just beyond what I can describe to you. Mm -hmm. Love that. And, and you're worth it. You're worth it too. All right. How can folks get in touch with you, Eddie? Uh, they can get in touch with me if they want you at edkappa at gmail.com. That's E-D-C-A-P-P-A at gmail.com. I am not taking new clients. However, what I've done, Judy, is I have trained a network of clinicians, coaches, and counselors on the inner child model. So anyone, if they want to reach out to me, I can give them that referral. I probably get 10 to 12 calls a week. I answer every call. I'll reply to every email because I want you to get the help you need. Burden, do not think you're going to be a burden to me. Please do that. If you want to find out more about the inner child model, you can go to www.innerchild-sexaddiction.com and the books the removing your shame label, why men struggle to love and going deeper, all available exclusively at Amazon. Those will all be in the show notes, by the way. Thank you, thank you so much, Eddie, for joining us. Well, thank you, Judy. I really appreciate this. I had a wonderful time and hopefully I get a chance to come back and talk to you again. Absolutely. Thank you. As I reflected on this conversation with Eddie, I saw a theme that aligns with what I talk about often in Breathing Fresh Air, which is an acronym. So I want you to listen in. Not only does air help slow down the nervous system, listen to the acronym that shows up. Number one, awareness. A is awareness. And what Eddie talked about was our unresolved childhood pain points, which goes on unaware. But those have the power in our adult lives that invites the addictive behavior. So we need to become aware. And then number two in the acronym is the I is intentionality. And that's, you know, normally it's our inability to sit with 
emotional distress that leads to that avoidance and numbing out, which also contributes to the addictive behaviors. You have to be intentional to learn how to sit with those emotions. And then number three, the R in the risk of growth and and the acronym of AIR. So that healing journey takes anywhere from 18 months to five years. This is a, this is so worth it. It's a risk of growth because you're going to come out the other side being transformed and living your full life. I want to encourage you. Okay. And remember to just take some deep breaths of air, but remember those things. So what stood out to you? Share your takeaways by going to betterrelationshipsbetterlife.com. And then next week, we'll talk with Jeff Crawl on how to align your best self in relationships and business. Until then, I would absolutely love for you to share, subscribe, rate, and comment in the streaming platform of your choice. And you know what? This is good stuff. We don't want others to miss out on it. So see you next time on Better Relationships, Better Life.